0: Thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today.
1: I'm going to start off tonight with a uh, random
0: question. Trivia question? Yeah. Trivia? Thing? Anyone know uh, no. how much weight the strongest horse can pull by itself? Can we have if anyone would guess this, it would be Zach. Yeah. For two reasons. But before Zach guesses, anyone have any guess? Can you say that again? Say so, yep. The strongest horse out there, mm-hmm. the breed of the strongest horse out there, how much weight can it pull by itself? Like, pulling a sled? Wait. Does it have
2: wheels? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What's to the me? surface? Is it in space? <laughs> 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 it's going uphill. It's hill. in dirt, <laughs> and it's talking about dragging. It's talking about dragging I would weight say, in dirt.
0: How many, just how many pounds can it <laughs> be? Like, dragging a yeah. sled. I'd say, let's say, 16,000 pounds. How many? 2,000 pounds. That's what I
3: just said.
0: I'm going to say,
3: 17,000 pounds. 2,000 and 1 pounds. <laughs> 3, I'm going to say,
0: like, like 3,000 1,500. 1,500? Zach, I think you already know the answer. Yeah, I
4: believe it's... Well, so there were several different ones going around. We'll talk about that later. But I believe it's a Clydesdale at 8,000 pounds.
0: 8,000 pounds. You're half right. It is Is 8,000 pounds, but it's it's a a Belgium draft horse. Belgium draft (sighs) horse. Okay. I didn't even know that. So (laughs) one... (laughs) <laughs> this, this, this is actually from an excerpt from a Dave Ramsey uh, example, so that's why I thought you might, you might know that. Well, I, but yeah. it's also a random fact, so yeah. That's yeah, a random fact. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, but you're right about the weight, so eight thousand so know, pounds. The Belgium draft two. horse can pull eight thousand pounds by itself. One horse. Well, it sounds like it's on wheels. So now let me ask you guys oh, this question. Sure. Okay. And if There's one horse can pull eight thousand pounds by itself, how much can two Belgian draft horses together pull? 16,
2: 18,
3: it's Probably. More than sixteen thousand. Eighteen, about twenty-two. Twenty-two 20, thousand. I would say like, I would say like maybe like ten or eleven. That's I, like I feel like it's less. It's not that, it's like it, it's more, than it's more than double. It's more than
0: double. How much? Twenty. I believe it's twenty-four thousand pounds. Yep. Is it really? Twenty-four. Oh, actually. Oh, he's wrong. So no, <laughs> you are you are partially right again. Dang it. <laughs> so. Follow the math. One horse can pull 8,000 pounds by itself. Mm-hmm. Two, you would think, you know, if you have double the horse, you can have double the horsepower, right? That you would think you can get 16,000 from it. Together, 24,000 pounds. That's three times the horsepower with two horses. That's with two random Belgium horses put together. Two strangers that right. don't know each other. Oh. Correct. Now. Two Belgium draft horses who were trained together and are familiar with each other and were raised and trained together can pull 32,000 pounds. Wow. Four times as much. So you double the horsepower, you double the horses, you quadruple the horsepower. Versus double the horses who don't know each other, you triple the horsepower. But they know each other and they've trained together. Like a whole nother horse is added worth of power. This is a Dave Ramsey example on the power of relationships on teams. A lot of times, you know, even just in the secular world, you know, Dave Ramsey will use this and people will quote this in like a a team building conference or, you know, seminar or something like that. As far as, you know, two people moving toward a common goal are always more powerful than, you know, one doing it alone and even uh, better than you know, just two people doing it together are the ones who can value each other's strengths and weaknesses, read nonverbal cues, genuinely care for each other, that's that's where the magic happens where you can quadruple the horsepower by only doubling the amount of horses. That's just a random fact just to start off the day. But I think I think there's a lot to go with that that I could probably do a whole other night on, but just alone of like, you know, what what any one of us can do by ourselves with God by our side how much more can we accomplish it with we can do we can you know do God's will with a random person say you're on a missions trip or just out wherever right you can you can accomplish God's will but how much more can be accomplished with brothers and sisters in Christ who you've um, what we're doing right now training that's, that's you know we're studying God's word we're, we're growing stronger in his word. Together. Alright, loop two. That's where we're going to be at tonight. Just be in loop two. Because I had his <laughs> We're two weeks away from Christmas today. So we're going to be going through the birth of Jesus, Um, but I'm going to have some, maybe slightly different perspective, uh, maybe some different questions to bring about than, you know, what we'd normally be going through. So does anybody want to start reading, uh, let's just go out it nice and slow, 1 through 7.
3: In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that in, that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while the governor of Syria, yeah. and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Gilead to Judea, to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house of and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her, her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth, cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them.
0: Yeah, so... We're all familiar with the birth of Jesus with the Christmas story pretty well, but what's going on here? What's what's happening so far? Who, what, where, when, why?
3: Repeat the question, I'm sorry. What's going on? Caesar just wants to get a, a good eye, uh, I guess, of I guess his kingdom. Why do you think you would want to? Why would it benefit. Knowledge is pretty important. The same reason why they do it now. Just it could more more knowledge about the people you quote unquote have control of. Yeah, it's just <laughs> good to, good to know the people.
0: Always good to know how many people
3: you have mm-hmm. in the areas. One other one other reason
0: might be a good incentive for. A- Money.
4: Yeah, you know, making sure you're collecting the pro- proper revenues and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. It was also. Mm. It's my understanding that it was also some form of display of power. Because um, David got busted for that when he took a census without talking to God about it first in the Old Testament.
3: Um, so, Yeah. Do you think he did it on purpose because of that? Or he didn't really. Who? No. Uh, Caesar.
0: There is a lot of history that we can look into it as far as. The whole like, why did Caesar actually do the census? I mean, you you can look at just um well a lot as far as like the like the history of Mm -hmm. what you can find outside of the Bible of the history during this time. You know, there's there's other historical non biblical context of you know Caesar here and of you know all of of the census and all these other things going Mm -hmm. on. So there's a lot of other context and, and things that you can add into this, but. Yeah, that's a lot of part of it as well. Him wanting to kind of just, like, show his power just to be kind of, like, at this point in time, this is kind of, like, the biggest empire in the world ever. Essentially, he is at, up until this point in time, the most powerful man who has ever lived. Mm. And he's just kind of, like, census, and everyone will go. And he's just kind of, in a way, just kind of, like, flexing his power. and But also, you want to make sure that you're collecting taxes from everyone who is in your kingdom. So you want to make sure that you know people aren't getting away without paying their taxes. Alright, so Mary and Joseph are in this as well. Where are they coming from? Where are they going? where
4: they coming showing? Um
2: going to Bethlehem and Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Which by the way, according to this map, is roughly hard to tell, but like 90 miles, yeah, probably on the back of a mule, at well over eight months pregnant, give or mm-hmm. take. Let's make some assumptions here. So, which would have been probably, what, f- four-day trip?
0: Probably about right, yeah. Yeah, I, I had a note that it's um, about 80 miles. Yeah, it could be about 80, 90 miles. Um, and that's quite a, a good amount of time funny to travel that far and yeah
4: she's very much pregnant all right so i don't want to interrupt if you have to come up um i learned some other things about nazareth from pastor phil our, our pastor and he was talking about so nazareth the first time it's mentioned is in the bible and that it's not mentioned for like another 400 years in all of history allegedly there were like between 200 and 400 people that lived in this entire town. Hmm. It was kind of a nothing town. Um, and so the whole... That's why later... <laughs> um, the There are people talking, and they're like, has anything good ever come from Nazareth? Like, what are we talking about? It's just this little podunk town out of nowhere. Um, but that's just where, it, where God ends up calling people from.
0: And it's a pretty common thing that we see with Jesus. And we see... Hmm. God display throughout history of Picking the one that's the lowliest the most insignificant the Most non-special the most mundane, right? Let's pick Let's have the Savior of the world not come riding on the clouds with lightning bolts in his hands with you know riding in on a on a horse to To reign in power right that that's what these people were expecting The Messiah to be of just someone coming down a military leader. But instead, he's going to come in human form. He's going to come born like humans were born as a baby. He's going to be crying and gross and dependent on someone else to raise him. And he's going to come from the tiniest, no one really cares about kind of town out there, Nazareth. And that's what the gospel is of God came humbled and came... In the form of human—that's what this is all about. So, verse six: While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. Wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in the manger because there was no lodging available for them. So, the census is going on; everyone is back in town to to be registered, to be counted, and there's just no lodging left. Everything's booked. You know, I didn't have his Airbnb booked ahead of time. Just, there's nothing left. So, they're just kind of, here we see the savior of the world again. Just already coming from the most, like, unimportant area. And coming from the most unimportant of people. And coming in the most unheard of way. And now being born where animals are eating out of. the, The trough. That's what a manger is. And... We just see the the humility that Jesus chose to come into. All right, let's read eight through.
3: Are they still in Bethlehem?
0: Mm-hmm. As of right
3: now. As of right now.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's where he was born. Um. Let's go ahead and read through through the end of what we'll be reading through today, through twenty. We want to take eight through twenty.
4: I got it. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, "Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy." <clears throat> <clears throat> among those whom he is pleased.
0: Actually, let me stop there.
4: With whom he is pleased? Sorry.
0: Alright, so now what's happened so far up to this point?
4: He just came and told some sheep dudes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So mm. we've all heard that before. I hope you guys say something.
2: Wait. I was about to go on uh, basically the same path you were. Uh, the announcement could have been made uh, to the kings, the priests, the most highest of
0: people. But
2: no, some sheep dudes. Some sheep <laughs> yeah. dudes.
0: You guys ever stop to think about why? And we just think like, oh yeah, like the angels came and told the shepherds and, right, oh yeah, there's the you know baby Jesus, Joseph, Mary, there's the shepherds, the little animals, usually the little kids in church, you know, with like the little animal costumes and, and then we have the three wise men, right? Mm-hmm. There weren't there were way more than three, but the three wise men and what's up with the sheep dudes? Well, verse eight says they were in the region and they were up at night. <laughs> they
3: were what?
5: They were in the region and they were up at night.
3: Was mm-hmm. that like uh, like shepherds back that like back then were like very looked down upon, and, like they were considered very filthy because they had to deal with dead animals, and they and they had to work on the Sabbath, so they're considered like quote-unquote sinners at the time, like they didn't. No one really. They were outcasts, and everyone, no one, no one ever interacted with them. So for the angels to come to the shepherds, I think shows like a pretty cool thing about like who Jesus is. Saying like these men have done nothing wrong, and I think like even because um, what is it uh, when Jesus is, uh, is around, he's talking like like when he does like help someone on the Sabbath, and so like if like if a shepherd saw his sheep fall in a hole, would he not uh. Take it, pick out of the hole. What do you wait till Monday or?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So I think that's why he chose the shepherds. Okay. What What was the message that the angels told the
0: shepherd? First off, they addressed. It says they were terrified, but the angels reassured them, "Don't be afraid." Which is a pretty cool way to start. I mean, it doesn't say that they screamed, but they were terrified. So either the look on their face, or. Some other cues, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, you're just there with your sheep, you're just there counting sheep. 99 nine. Ah! Just, just me. They were terrified. Oh, just like some of you guys were just right now, right? <laughs> yeah. But then the angels are there to comfort them, saying, don't be afraid. So we see that several times throughout the Bible when, when angels come. And they start off with, don't be afraid. Right, because it's a pretty terrifying experience to be honest. Like, this heavenly being is just there all of a sudden, so it's pretty good for them to start with. Hey, don't be afraid. It's like, I went to kill you; you'd already be dead. Don't worry; <laughs> then I'm not here to hurt you. Especially if they're in like not human form, if they're in biblically accurate form, got mm. yeah, six yeah, different yeah. wings, eyes with, with horns and with the horns of a beast and the Made out of head worlds. of a, yeah. a different beast and yeah. like yeah, all these eyes and faces and it'd be pretty terrifying. They look like half lion, half like bear, half like all these things. And then you're wondering how many heads can you fit in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so besides Don't Be Afraid, what's the rest of the message that the angels came to tell them? The coming of the Messiah. The coming of the Messiah. What about him? He was born. He was born. Today. He was born today in Bethlehem. And then what else? What was the other part of the message? How they'd be able to to identify the baby. The Messiah. Big chillin' in a manger. Chilling in the manger, there were there was <coughs> no one else chilling in the manger in Bethlehem or you know nearby. It was just one, and they gave him a very clear indication: this is the one you're looking for. You're going to find this baby in the trough where the animals are eating, and then gave him more description: wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in the manger, not just wrapped in a blanket. Wrapped in a, you know, whatever. Wrapped in strips of cloth. Just, like, all these loose rags. Just, mm-hmm. like, as as lowly as it gets. Alright, so, the angels came to the sheep guys. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Sheep guys. Sheep,
3: sheep dudes. dudes. Sheep dudes. See, by the
0: way. The sheep dudes. Like, like, one showed up.
2: And they were terrified. And then a and whole then host, the host shows thing. up. Okay, like, I think they were scared at first. That's
0: a good point. So, why the shepherds? Who else could they have come to instead? You said they, they could have come to the kings, they could have come to the, the royalty, they could have come to Caesar himself, the, the Roman Empire. The Pharisees! Lots of, better, lots of better options out there besides these shepherds. What would have happened, what do you guys think would have happened if the angels came to the king to tell him that the Messiah, the king of kings, was born today? What do you, how do you think a king would react to that? It's, it's I'm say, <laughs> <laughs> it would his army to we know.
3: I which king? Because I think one of the kings man, was like, <laughs> hey, <you laughs> kill the babies? Yeah,
0: exactly. I was going to say, probably, which
3: king? Because that's what I was saying. It, one of the kings said, it probably wouldn't matter. That's probably exactly what they would do it didn't matter what king well, what was like, one of the kings didn't even know who it was and he still was like just to be safe go like, kill all the babies yeah. under the age of I think what was it yeah, it's it very different for him Pharaoh. to
5: be getting that message from mm-hmm. the wise men than it is for him to get it like from a host of angels mm-hmm. Like, God clearly had him get that message through the wise men for a reason it's not like we could just be like, Oh yeah, if it was done this way then mm-hmm. it would have just worked out the mm-hmm. same.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was a good point. We've seen that before. This happened way before here. Pharaoh was afraid and so because there was one out there who was eventually gonna be raised up. What's up guys? Then it's Pharaoh sent the decree to kill all boys all Hebrew boys, yeah, I think under three, somewhere There's around there. Three, um, to be killed. So we've seen that before. What happens when when the royalty knows of someone in power who is just born or is to be born? What would what would have happened? What do you guys think would have happened if the Pharisees were delivered the message from the angels? How do you think they'd react? The Messiah was born today, and he's in a manger with donkeys and all of these animals. He's going to be the savior of the world. Well, there would have either similar army Or
2: laughed.
4: Yeah, I don't think they would have been overly stoked about where he came from.
3: So, I don't know, would be like, it depends, because, like, I feel like, well, who was, well, I forgot the one Pharisee's name. Nicodemus. 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 Like, if he like would have came to Nicodemus, I don't know what would, like, but I've, I don't know, because, like, I think he might have, like, I don't know. I don't God did it, give it to the shepherds for a reason, but I, don't know, I, the, I was just now thinking, like, well, maybe some of the Pharisees would have been. They might have. They probably would have ruined it, like same way, like if God were to tell us our future, then we would try to step on our own toes, try like work it. I like, wow, well, I know God said it's going to work out in the end, but I'm going to try to do my own thing too, make it better than what God has provided. Maybe the Pharisees would have done something like that.
0: Yeah,
3: the Pharisees at first.
0: And this, this is just an assumption. At first, they probably wouldn't have been very impressed that God chose to reveal the secret of the ages to them. They'd probably think that they deserve to hear the news first because they were pretty entitled and think that they were better than everyone else. They'd probably think, oh, good, you better tell us first because then we'll we'll then spread the news to people as we see fit. Um, but uh, we don't like the way that you tell us that this baby's going to be born, um, Angel. So, um... Yeah, we'd rather not have the baby of the the, the Savior be born in a manger. How about he comes down, like, already, like, an adult and, you know, on a horse and chariot and and ready to free us from captivity. They probably think that, uh, yeah, they deserve to hear the news first, and then probably not really do anything with it because it's not how they imagined that it would happen. So the shepherds. Why the shepherds? Right, so it makes sense why not the king? It makes sense why not the Pharisees? The why shepherds to be told first that the Messiah was born today. So these shepherds weren't just ordinary shepherds. The shepherds that the angels appeared to were the ones who were in charge of the temple flock. They had the oversight of the lambs that would soon be sacrificed to provide the atonement for sin. Their eyes have been trained to notice any defect or blemish on a lamb that might, uh, on a lamb, that a lamb might have. Because only perfect lambs can be used as sacrificial lambs. A flawed, a flaw rendered a lamb unacceptable as an offering to God. So these sheep, based off of the area that they're right outside of Bethlehem, there, that area is where the sheep came from to be presented to the temple as sacrificial lambs. So these shepherds are the ones who are raising and, yeah, raising, I was gonna say harvesting, raising these sheep. These shepherds are the ones who are preparing these perfect sacrificial lambs to be presented to the temple to be the ones that are offered to God as a sacrifice. These shepherds know what a perfect lamb looks like. These shepherds, their job is to provide flawless, blemishless lambs to the temple that can then be worthy to be presented to God as a sacrifice. So these sheep guides, these sheep guides have a pretty important job. It's a whole lot more than just a normal shepherd out there, but these shepherds right outside of Bethlehem were the ones who were preparing the perfect sheep, the sacrificial lambs for the temple. They're the ones being told by Heaven's Angels' armies Behold The sacrificial lamb God's very own Was just born today I'm going to send you guys Who know what a perfect sacrificial lamb Looks like To go and see for yourselves And then they go They just leave all their sheep behind And they go the Lord was calling upon these shepherds to go and inspect the ultimate lamb. The keeper of the temple flock, they, they would have, behold, the lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. They were being sent to look upon a baby who like many lambs that they tendered in the temple flock had been born to die, they were born to die as a sacrifice for sin. All these sheep that they're raising, they were born just to be sacrificed, which is exactly what Jesus came to do as well. All right, so let's continue on. Let's go 15 to 20. Who wants to take
2: that? When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They heard off and found both Mary and Joseph, and the baby who is lying, After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Awesome. So what happened after the message
0: was given to the shepherds? They spread the word. They spread the word. How did they go about spreading the word? 17. After seeing him, the shepherds told a few people. And then a few people told a few more people. And a few more people told a few more people. Nope, it says after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. And a few people who heard were surprised few people didn't believe them. Few people believed them. No, it says, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. They just went out and told everyone. Kind of reminds me of like the woman at the well, right? She was just so excited. Actually, that's a pretty good correlation because the woman at the well was the first person that Jesus straight up said, I am the Messiah. Then she went and told everyone. And then Everyone that she told came rushing back to meet him, and and all were saved. A bunch were saved that day, and then here we have the first people who ever told that the Messiah was born go and tell everyone also, and all were astonished. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as the angel had told them. So many times we see. You know all these examples of, of God or Jesus telling someone exactly how to do something, and then exactly that plays out. It's not like oh yeah, like Jesus said like this 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 and this would happen. But like you know, ninety five percent of what Jesus said happened. It's like no, everything happened exactly the way you said it. It's like when he told his disciples, go to this area, you'll see a certain man there wearing a certain thing, in this certain spot. Go there. Uh, grab this donkey, and then this man will ask, like, hey, what are you doing with this donkey? Just tell him that, like, the Lord needs the donkey, and he'll be okay with it. And then the, ask him for this room, and they'll provide the room. It's like everything happens exactly the way that he says it'll happen. Any of the thoughts, comments, questions so far?
1: You have nice Christmas lights. <laughs>
0: Uh, Let's let's tie something else in here. I'm going to compare the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus. There's actually a lot of similarities. At both, he was rejected from men. At both, he was cast out. At both, Mary was there. Mary gave birth to him. Mary was there when he was crucified. At both, myrrh was presented for the use upon him. At both, there was darkness. He was born at night. And when he was crucified, darkness came over the land. At both, his body was wrapped in clothing. It was wrapped in cloth in the burial when, when he was put in the tomb. At both, there was worship. The first was genuine—the angels and the shepherds—and the second, at his death, the the worship was mocking him, saying, "Oh King, you can't even get yourself down. If you're the king, get down from from here, and here's a crown of thorns." But both were worship, calling him king. At both, wise men recognized his deity. At both, Jew and Gentile were there. At both, he was hailed as king. One was earnest, the other was in jest and joking. At both, here's a fun one, an honorable man named Joseph was present. Who was the Joseph at his birth? Oh, his dad. His, his dad. stepdad. His yeah. whatever you would call His <laughs> <and> father-ish. <laughs> was who, who is the Joseph the present at his death?
4: Yeah. Joseph of um, Arimathea, mm-hmm. that one.
0: He helps him carry the cross. And he provided the empty tomb.
4: The tomb? Oh, yeah, I don't... I see. It differs. Yeah, the I don't think Some other dude carries he the he cross. The Bobby, cross, yeah. Bobby.
0: Um... We have a virgin birth and a virgin tomb. He came in where there was no prior birth, right? The Virgin Mary. And the tomb that Joseph of Arimathea presented said, hey, use this. It's never been used before. Use this tomb. Joseph at the birth, Joseph at the death, virgin birth, virgin tomb. And at both the chief priests and scribes were involved. Just some cool correlations, um, and, and the cloth, I think the cloth is, is cool too, but like he was he was wrapped in these these strips of cloth lying in the manger, and then then later as he's being crucified, they're like tearing his clothes apart, and he's just kind of left like a few like straps of clothing left on him. It's like the same way he came in, just as humbly as he came into the world, he's leaving in his birth and in his death were both just the most humble way one could come in and, and go out being born in the lowliest of fashions in the manger from the smallest of towns now just in the manger, in the trough with just barely enough clothing on him and then at his death being beaten crucified tortured, tormented abused and mocked and them tearing his clothing off of him. Why do you think Jesus chose to be born in a stable, in a manger, rather than a palace? Talk about the fact that he did. That's what I made. Mean. It's kind of a style. Mm-hmm.
3: That's a style. Yeah. yeah. Sets so them apart from like other I guess religions and false gods. Kind of sets them like like I think like it exactly perfect a style. is it um, there was no like official record of this being born?
0: when he was born. We just celebrate it in this time of year. <laughs>
5: he could have been born in like April or something.
0: Yeah. What's the purpose of God sending Jesus to be born as a baby? What what was the point of him? This might sound very basic, but what was the point Of him becoming human and being born the way he was born, as opposed to just coming down and as a as a man, as a Mm -hmm. thirty some year old guy. What's what's the difference of him being born? What difference does that make to us? He grew up and
2: lived a sinless life. What's that? He grew up and lived in perfect life. Mm -hmm.
1: Else? You have to go through like different stages of life that we go through and get to feel like the different emotions, different things that go on with that. Like he was a baby and then he was a toddler, then he was a preschooler or whatever, and then a teenager. But imagine Jesus as a teenager. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I mean and then like at a grown adult basically and then he got to go through each stage of life, got to basically be one hundred percent human while also being one hundred percent God. I feel like that's like the main thing that like Jesus wanted to be like, I'm like you, I want I came here to be a sacrifice for you and like the whole like him understanding what we go through. He had to they, God wanted him to live through all of that so he was able to be like, Hey, I know what you're going through, I can help you you're not alone. And, like, the fact that, like, we know Jesus went through each day of the life that we are all in right now, whether, where wherever it is, we know Jesus went through it because he was born as a baby and grew up. Like a normal child, I guess, kind of. I mean, without any sin. But he's still a normal child. But it's not like he was, like, in a palace where he was, like, ho-ho, he ho, could do everything, do this for me. He was literally... Poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it gets any realer than that. Yeah.
2: The son of a carpenter. Mm
1: hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: He was tempted in all areas, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, the devil, you know, he doesn't want him to save the world, so he, pro- he tried to throw everything at him. And what else was I going to say? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it
0: would have been easy if, easier if he was born into royalty. And. Never had to worry about where his next meal will come from, if, you know, if if they'll have a house to live in. But he was born, exactly, he was born poor. He was born in a manger. He was born in the trough where the animals are eating out of. But it's a whole lot harder because he was tempted. He, He could have, he faced the same temptations of hunger and, you know, not having, his family didn't have a lot of money.
5: Oh, I remember now, so there were some days that he wouldn't feel like it, too. Like, you know, when he's, he asked the father, saying, like, father, if this is, um, like, if you could pass this cup, like, you know, dying on the mm-hmm. cross and stuff, like, like he could relate to us. Some days we wake up and we don't feel like doing what we got to do, what we got to do it anyways
3: mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I think him being born as a baby just helps grow our relationship with him. Helps us have like a real connection to God, because sometimes like praying to God or even worshiping God or even doing God's will kind of seems it seems difficult or even seems like kind of out of our range just because we're like, well, you're God. How am I even like I'm a, I'm a human? How am I even supposed to relate to that? And I think that's why kind of how Jesus like no, you, like that's how we relate to it. He, God did come down and live and was crucified and he lived just like us yeah he was like us and now he wasn't like it's not like he, we can say well you got like the rich treatment or he had everything given to you in life and you never had to work or struggle or I think Jesus fills that gap because then even ritual can relate to that so, yeah and very relatable because you just re- you know if we hear a
0: person if we hear like a, su- a success story of you know some some billionaire who had this giant company, we think, oh, uh, their life is so easy, they had everything handed down to them. But then, once you hear their story, mm-hmm. oh, I was raised in, I was born and raised in this country, and I came here. My parents moved here when I was five, and, you know, they had $10 to their name, and they did this, and I was, you know, I was the bad kid in school, and then I never did this, and then... Then I started doing this, then I was able to do this, then I had this, and then I had that connection. Then I started this company, I started working hard to, to do this, and then it started growing, then I started getting clients, and I started doing this. Then I had my first employee, then I had several employees, and I opened my business, I opened up a franchise, with opened up a second one, and it kept going, it kept growing, and now I have you know a billion-dollar company with 200 franchises. It's like, to not hear the backstory, you just think, oh, this person had... Everything hands down. Oh, they're so lucky to be born in their shoes. Oh, man, I wish I was born in their shoes, but you can take the situation that you're born into and do something. You can complain and just say, ah, I'm in this crappy situation where you make the best of it. I don't know where I was going with that, but. much left anyone else have anything
3: else I was just thinking about like the story of Jesus like like how how different it is up to this point in history like even to like like the non-believers and anyone who just read about Jesus reading this as like even like people writing about Zeus or Poseidon or any of the Greek gods or you know the, the Norse gods and Vikings and all of them like they wrote all these like about false gods and everything. They wrote about them, but people still read them and knew about them and worshipped them, And but up to this point, no other story was written about Jesus, and yet in our time, Jesus seems like the most relatable quote-unquote God. Like, out of all the gods that were so, had such these crazy stories and elaborate, like I control thunder with my fingertips, and or, or, or whatever the tower might have been. These crazy things, but yet the only divine, true God that was written about was Jesus and he's the most relatable mm-hmm. and I just think that's kind of a cool like connection out with God like it was really keep telling people to write stories about these other false gods or those actual demons that were trying to write those and then you can tell like Jesus it's like a completely different story how at that's just how I look at it when I read about it, it kind of helps me to re- like to grasp the idea that this is the true son of God and like this is just a different it's different whether it, I think it just helps the that bridge between non-believers and believers already who born into the faith. I think it's just... I don't know. The story of Jesus is really cool. It's separate. Whether or not you're a believer or not, it's hands, it's hands down, probably. Mm-hmm. The, it's the greatest story ever. Absolutely. Written just the whole thing from top to bottom.
0: We have Jesus as an infant.
3: We have him mm-hmm. born.
0: And then we have him... Circumcised. Eight days later, so we have got newborn Jesus, eight-day-year-old eight Jesus. Then we have Jesus in the temple when he's twelve, preaching and astonishing the the people, the Pharisees, and the people in the temple, just mind blown. Like, who is this kid? Who is this twelve-year-old that's saying these things? He's never had all this, you know, formal teaching, and he's saying such great things. That's when his parents. Forgot him as they were traveling and forgot realized a few days later, oh hey, where's where's Jesus? We lost him. They went back and and found him. And they were like, why are you surprised? I'm in my father's house. Where else would I be? And they're like, true, but don't do that again. And then we have 30-something-year-old Jesus. We don't have toddler and little kid Jesus. We don't have teenager Jesus, we don't have young adult Jesus, we've got infant, 12 year old, and then in his ministry, 30s. Probably because there was nothing too crazy going on with him, besides taking his first steps, saying his first words, doing things normal kids do, playing ball outside, falling down, scraping up his knee. You know, doing what kids do. But then at 12, he's already, or somewhere, you know, before 12, he's starting to get in the temple and teaching. But we don't have a whole lot of, we don't really have any biblical context as far as teenager Jesus, um, just kind of tween. He's mm-hmm. had the tween Jesus. And he's 12, teaching the temple.
2: And that age, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, is one, not too far past the age of accountability. And also, about when most Jewish boys were about to get married or betrothed, or you know, somewhere yeah, in once that. He had, once he 13, he mm-hmm. so, a man. So he's going to be right in that age, but already teaching in the temple.
5: What do you think the age of accountability is? Like you're talking about judgment. Yes. Yeah.
2: Probably like, nine. Ish. I don't know that there's one. a age for it.
4: Yeah, it's not technically in the Bible.
2: It depends. It's, it's not exact, but he's probably just past the age of accountability, and just before the age that he might get married. In that, he's in that range, but it's younger than we would think of today. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't, I think this young. could be half of some of our ages. Okay. <laughs> so just.
3: just. I don't and think there's like fun. really a age of accountability. Just, okay. just because. I mean, maybe back then there was, well, with the with the old covenant. But what I'm talking about with the with the new covenant. Like it was even like it says, I don't I don't know exactly the verse or the chapter, but it's like. It's even it's worse. It's better for an ignorant man mm-hmm. to commit sin, than for a man that knows God to then commit sin because then, mm-hmm. as as Lyon said, when you're ignorant, it's like you didn't know. Right. But then when you know, it's like that's I think when you when you know, I think. When you like truly know? It's in not your like heart. an age. Like when you know, it's like, oh man, when I was thirteen, I killed someone. I wasn't Well, fourteen didn't come around, so I, I, God didn't see that. I don't think that really has that doesn't really sound like God to me. It's not an exact age. It's more of a when do you understand mm-hmm. God?
5: Your relationship with God, because like sometimes the Holy Spirit would tuck in my heart, and I have a choice if I want to go left or if I want to go right and like follow Him. So, right.
2: but yeah. also if you make the choice not to. That you are at the age of accountability to make that choice, like mm-hmm. so. There's, there, there's a time somewhere, mm-hmm. not exactly. Cool. Any
0: final thoughts? Notice in verse
5: nineteen, which like Mary, like remembers these things. Basically, what it says, mm-hmm. and then. I looked at that verse. There's like another verse early in Luke where I think it's in the later on in this chapter. But there's like one other verse where something similar is said about Mary remembering this. Oh, I think it's actually the temple that like and Mary remembers this. So I wonder if like did Luke get these accounts from <coughs> Mary, from and Mary.
4: Yeah, That's the assumption. It's so so cool
5: because it's just kind of like a random word. Like why is it saying like. She's, yeah. Mary stored these things in her heart. Like, did Joseph not notice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Typical dad. Typical man. <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: yeah. Jesus' birthday. And know. Know. <laughs> you know, was no <laughs> That's why we don't have that's it. It was why we supposed don't have... to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, freaking, that's hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I would take that as though, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to be told that Mary was told that by an angel too. You know that like, hey, you're going to give birth to an angel. Or you're going to give birth to the savior of the world. And you know, without having conceived. And without having, um, you know, like the Holy Spirit will conceive this in you. And it's like, she knows it. And clearly she knows, hey, I haven't been with a guy. And now that I've got this baby and exactly how the angel told me it would happen. It's happening. So this must truly be the savior, but you must you probably still have some doubts. Like, okay, well, maybe like, is this really gonna be like the savior? Because like, I'm giving birth to him, and like, he's just a baby, and like, but that's that's how I would take it. As though she kept all these things in her heart, in her heart, and thought about them often, because it's a pretty significant thing that even shepherds were coming to check out and glorify. And worship your baby. I think it's a pretty special thing for her. Cool. I'll uh, pray, and then we'll split a little bit. Thank you, God, for this group of people here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for sending Jesus as a baby to be born and live a life just as we would be born and and live our lives for being the perfect example of how to go about living a perfect, sinless life none of us are able to to have that level of perfection and we know because of that that we are owed death thank you for Jesus' birth thank you for his death on the cross to die for our sins the perfect, sacrificial lamb thank you that the story of Christmas is so much more than just a baby being born, and so much more than presents, and parties, and eggnog, and mistletoe, and elves, and Santa, and all these things. Uh, they're all fun and, and enjoyable, but Gabby, thank you for the reason for the season that Jesus was born, that you sent yourself in human form to to be relatable to us so that we can be relating to an infinite God in some type of way through Jesus. Thank you for him living a human life here on earth so that we can relate. Thank you for this awesome Bible study that you've given me the honor of leading. Thank you for another year of spending time together, reading your word together with each other. And, uh, yeah, God, I pray for many more years to come of diving into your word, going at it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and uh, getting to hear from you each week. I ask that you continue to use me as a vessel to speak your word, um, to use each person here to be able to conti- contribute to that, be able to hear from you, and uh, that we can all learn and grow from each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.